Oh my god. Are we... Is it Christmas time already? A jingle, jangle, jingle, Is it jangle. Christmas What's already? That sound I hear? Could that be the, the pitter pattering of proper Christmas? Of, of, of Rudolph's little hooves? Of, could it be the could pitter be pattering of little feet? The little tip top, tip toe, tip toe. It could be, could it be? That the elf on the shelf has come down. Oh dear, you heard of the elf on the shelf. Now get ready for. John Benet Ramsey. <laughs> I leave that in? Sure. Okay. Um, hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Spooky Show. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. This is being recorded in the throes of Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah right now. Um, and happy Merry Christmas to everybody this week. Yeah. Um, speaking of Christmas, do I have a Christmas present for you folks? Um, oh, Harrison's here. <laughs> Hello. Um, I'm doing something I'm, I'm kind of scared about, which is the mother of all cases, the cases of all cases, John Benet Ramsey. And I thought it was fitting because this case takes place around Christmas. It's like I'm giving you a Christmas present. And also, if you follow me on TikTok, you know that I have very strong feelings about this case. If they don't follow you on TikTok, where can they follow you on TikTok? <laughs> Bubbling queen. But should I should I state my strong opinion now or save it to the end? Save it. Okay. You got to gather your case first, you know? Like, you're building your little case here. Well, it's not, like, you biased to... towards that. Of course, but you... Yes, of course. Like, I maybe say it up top. Okay. I'd, or wait till the end. Like, what do you feel like is less gives off less of an appearance of bias? Yeah, maybe I'll save it till the end because I don't want you guys to think I'm being biased, which I'm truly not. I am doing this in a timeline fashion, and it is straight facts. I literally read for hours all of the case files in a timeline manner. And uh, yeah, I say this every before every episode. I'm like, this is a lot. And then I take forever to get into it. So let's get into it. JonBenet Ramsey, she was born on August 6th, 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia. She was named after her father, John Bennett, and she was the youngest of two children. Her brother, Burke, was three years older than her. And JonBenet was very outgoing. She was like a southern belle um, who enjoyed being the center of attention. And when she grew up, she wanted to be an ice skater and an artist. By age six, she had already won multiple beauty pageant titles because she was a really beautiful young girl. Like, she was so cute. She had beautiful blonde hair, a charming smile. She wore all the glitzy, glammy costumes. She was also very extroverted and outgoing and lively. So, like, she was just easily likable. And this is proved in the fact that she has won the titles of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. Wow. Yeah, she won a lot of pageants. Yeah, she really did. She really, really did. She attended kindergarten at High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. And it's said that John and Patsy really doted on their daughter in every way. I mean, she was the pageant queen. She was their only girl. And she was raised in complete luxury because the family was very well off. 
So we're going to talk about her parents a little bit because they, of course, play like a very big role in this case. Patsy Ramsey was born on December 29th, 1956 in Gilbert, West Virginia. She graduated from Parkersburg High School in 1975 and was said to be extremely popular, beautiful, outgoing, and she dreamed of being a public figure. She attended West Virginia University, where she was in a sorority and graduated with a BA in journalism in 1978. And like John Bonet, she was also a beauty queen, and she won Miss West Virginia Beauty Title in 1977. Her sister Pamela also won the Miss South Ch- Charleston title at age 24 in 1980. It was just a family of pageant people. Family of stars. Something I would know nothing about. <laughs> she didn't become a journalist, however, and became a homemaker after she married rich as hell John Ramsey at Get age that 23. Get that money. So John Bennett Ramsey was born on December 7th, 1943 in Lincoln, Nebraska, and attended Okemos High School in Michigan. In, 1990, in 1966, he graduated from Michigan State University with a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, and he then joined the Navy the same year and served as Civil Engi- Engineer Corps officer in the Philippines for three years and in an Atlanta Reserve Unit for an additional eight years. And that same year, 1966, he married Lucinda Pash, and they had three children together. So he had a previous marriage. His three children with Lucinda were as uh, Elizabeth, who sadly passed away in a car accident in 1992, Melinda, and John Andrew. John Ramsey also went on to earn a master's degree in business administration from MSU and eventually divorced he gets divorced from Lucinda and John marries Patsy in 1980 with whom they had John Bonet and Burke. As for his career in 1989, John formed the advanced product group, one of three companies that merged to become access graphics. And he became president and CEO of access graphics. It's a computer services company and a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. After this, in 1991, he moved his family and his computer company firm to Boulder. And in 1996, the year of John Bonet's death, um, Access Graphics grossed over $1 billion, and John was named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Boulder Chamber of Commerce. So, rich as hell, like I said. So let's get into the... Early internet people made a lot of money. Oh, early, yeah. You got in on software and programming, especially in the 80s? Yeah. 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 That's like big time, you know, once in a generation kind of wealth windfalls that people got from that era. Mm Mm-hmm. And John Ramsey was no exception. So we're going to talk about the case. Like I said, this I'm going in a timeline. So on December 25th, 1996, the Ramsey family attended a Christmas party at a family friend's house. This family friend was known as Fleet White, and he's very active in this whole case. I have some suspicions about Fleet White, let me tell you. At this party, John Bonet gets a bicycle for Christmas, and as far as we know right now, the Ramses go home, and John Bonet and Burke go to bed at around 10 p.m. At 12 a.m., the family's neighbor, Scott Gibbons, says he remembers seeing a light on in the Ramses' kitchen. At 2 a.m., neighbor Melody Stanton allegedly hears a scream from the Ramsey's home 
and her husband reportedly hears the sound of metal on concrete, quote, sometime after the scream, unquote. But years later, Melody backtracked on her statements, stating that she heard the noise two nights prior, if at all. So I guess this means nothing, pretty much. That morning, December 26, 1996, at 5.30 a.m., Patsy gets up to make some coffee, and she finds a -a two-and-a-half-page handwritten note on the back staircase, which is the famous ransom note. The note states, essentially, we are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction, and it says that we have your daughter and you will withdraw um, $118,000 from your account, $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Damn. And what's really weird about this $118,000 number is that it's so specific, first of all, like, why not, you know, 150000 120000 yeah, it sounds like even. someone has debts that they very specifically need paid off. Well, that number is the exact same amount of money as John Ramsey's Christmas bonus that year. Okay. The note also advised the family not to call the police, which would make me personally, like, immediately call the police. Um, but instead, at 5.45 a.m., Patsy calls family friends Fleet, who I mentioned, and Priscilla White, as well as John and Barbara Fernie. Then finally, at 5.52 a.m., Patsy calls the police and details the supposed kidnapping and the demands on the ransom note. And we will talk about this call in a bit. At 5.59 a.m., Officer Rick French arrives on the scene, and he was the first of many from the Boulder Police Department to respond to the call. Around 6 to 8 a.m., four more officers arrive at the Ramsey residence. Um, But while police are there, John and Patsy's family friends are also there to help search, a.k.a. mess up forensic evidence and contaminate the entire crime scene. So footprints, you know, any fingerprints around the house, like, ruined shit at around 8 10 a.m the first detective on the case linda arndt arrives and immediately begins her investigation by failing to secure the crime scene so people continue to just keep walking in and out of this house how did this happen like did this nobody like close it down at all Eventually, but it like it was too late by that point. The like, family had so many people come through before the police got there that it was already ruined. Yeah, even before That's they so ca- even before they called the police, they had people come over. What absolute. But I guess like in that situation too, like if if my kid went missing, I think I would call like my friends first in sure, a way to kind of sure, be like, sure, what sure. should I do? What should I do? And then they'll be, they would probably be like, oh, well, we're coming over. I don't know. Right, 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 right. Like, I can kind of see that. But also, uh, on the police's part, it's, it gets crazier. Let me continue. Oddly, at 10.30 a.m., John Ramsey disappears for at least an hour, saying he was going to pick up the mail, which is very strange, considering the family's mail was delivered through a slot in the front door. Weird. And at Sus. One, yeah, I don't know what he was doing. At 1 p.m. after John finally returns, Detective Arndt says they will be doing a top-to-bottom search of the home, which John and his friend Fleet White participate in. Which, is this allowed? Like... For, like, people to be able to, like, just join in police searches? Well, for, like... 
I don't know. I feel like police should just kind of take over at that point. But I guess so, but I do think, like, when they are looking for missing people, they do get as many hands on deck as possibly yeah. can. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, you've seen... Mm-hmm. Search parties. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so... So it might not be too far out the question. Yeah. So, this is... So, at 1 p.m., she orders a search. At 1.05 p.m., extremely fast, John and Fleet find John Benet's body in a spare room in the basement... She appears to have suffered a skull fracture, and she also looks like she's been strangled. Her mouth and neck were bound with duct tape, uh, which John removes. But wait, it gets worse. Officials and John then pick up the body and move her upstairs to the living room by the Christmas tree. Wait, they touched... They picked her up and moved her. That is fucked up. That's like, that is like number one. So, folks at home... If you ever come across, if you're in the ever in the awful situation of coming across a body, please don't don't touch it. Don't go near don't it. Don't go near it. And John Ramsey ripped the tape off her mouth. Like that is sus as hell. It's sus, but also also devil's advocate. You don't know what you would do in that situation. I mean, at this but, point. But okay, so that okay, so like to take it back to another episode that you did that like the you don't know what you would do in that situation like that can apply to like any number of like people who just like act weird i know like for chris like chris watts actually is a great example of this like they say immediately like oh he's acting weird it's like well, well also like you it, could yeah. play the devil's advocate of like well if his wife like if he didn't do what he did like his wife did just go missing with his two kids you know and like yeah he's acting fucking weird but chris watts did in fact do it don't make no mistake that's just an yeah. analogy of like Playing the devil's advocate of like behavior is not always indicative either way. I know, you know, and it's That's tricky to be judging it. By That's it. a good point because we said we had the, almost an exact like inverse conversation mm-hmm. when we watched uh, American Tragedy, right? That I what think that's what it was called. American Murder. Yeah, American Murder. Yeah. So at one thirty p.m., Boulder policemen uh, Ron Walker and Larry Mason arrive and search the basement and wine cellar, hoping to find more clues. And they also finally secure the home at this point. At 1.30, when the police were called at, like, 6 a.m. At 1.40 p.m., it's reported that John Ramsey um, calls his pilot and is heard asking him to repair a flight to Atlanta. Meanwhile, law law enforcement is like, wait, you can't leave town now. So they're like, okay, fine. And they left the home to stay at their friend's, the Fernie's home. Burke is immediately questioned at 2.30 p.m. to see if he heard or saw anything suspicious. And apparently, the nine-year-old slept through the events of the entire night. Um, at some point after this, John Ramsey is advised to get an attorney, so he hires his friend Mike Bynum. And later that evening, the coroner arrives, and John Benet's body is removed and taken to Boulder County Community Hospital. This is also crazy. John Benet's body, like, wasn't um, picked up to from the coroner until 8 p.m. Whoa. That's like over 12 hours of police being there. So I don't know why. Spooky. <laughs> On December 28th, 1996, the Ramsey family finally went uh, to the Boulder Police Station and they willingly gave hair, blood, and handwriting samples. The police later state that John's grown children, John Andrew and Melinda, were out of town when the murder occurred. And they, it took a while to rule them out, uh, but eventually they did get ruled out. They weren't in the state at all. <laughs> The next day, the Ramseys go back to their former hometown of Atlanta to prepare for the funeral. 
and on December 31st, 1996, John Bonet's funeral is held and she's laid to rest in Marietta, Georgia, next to her older half-sister Elizabeth, who had passed away in the car accident in 1992. About 300 family and friends attended the ceremony at the family's old church. On January 1st, 1997, John Bonet's parents gave a 45-minute interview to CNN from Atlanta, where they're now staying with their family. And John Ramsey states that they need to find out who did this for closure, not because they are angry, and that they have all given hair, blood, and handwriting samples. And after the interview, the Ramsey stated that they would sit down with the police and tell them everything they wanted to know. However, the Boulder police didn't know this interview was happening, and they were surprised by it, but didn't really gave, give any comment except to be like, yeah, the family did give us DNA samples. On January 3rd, 1997, detectives uh, officially announced that the ransom note was written on a paper pad from inside the house, meaning it was likely written after the murder, and that the note was also paralleled to a movie called Ransom and a bunch of other random movies. They also revealed that the blow to the head may have occurred before the strangulation, which I think is very key here. John and Patsy have returned to Boulder at this point, and the Boulder cops go to Charvelot, Michigan. I think that's how you say it. Char- Charlevel, yeah, Michigan, to search through a summer home the Ramsey family owns. I also want to note at this time, too, that tips are, like, flooding in, but none of them are panning out, of course. And the police also find a practice ransom note in the house on the same pad where the real one came from. All the while... Police are reassuring the public that there is not a killer on the loose. And they do this, like, throughout the entire case. They're, like, trying to reassure the Boulder community that there's no killer out there. You don't need to worry. And it's like, okay, then, so who do they think did it? Right. Isn't part of your job, like, reassuring the community, too, in the wake of something like this? Well, yeah, I think that's what they thought they were doing. No, you got to find that person. John and Patsy have still not been formally interviewed at this point. And police keep saying it's a scheduling issue. And meanwhile, they're looking into the family to see if there is any past abuse. And this is because, content warning, child abuse. This is because evidence discovered during the autopsy suggested the possible, key, presence of sexual abuse. There was evidence of vaginal trauma, and evidence that John Bonet could have been possibly sodomized with a foreign object. But they also speculated that it appeared John Bonet has been was sexually assaulted for like a long period of time, like what they found points to almost days old. And John Bonet had also visited her doctor 30 times in the past three years. And I never found out why, but that's a little suspicious to me. Some are also speculating that maybe the killer was angry at her father or it was work-related, but apparently everyone at Access Graphics was ruled out. And then on March 7th, 1997, based on expert handwriting analysis, which is now a bunk science, by the way, um, detectives confirmed that John didn't write the ransom note, but Patsy is not eliminated. And they say there's a strong chance that she may have... But I think it's kind of hard to, like, to tell, 
I mean, like, like I said, it's a bunk science. And this person was obviously trying to hide their handwriting. So it's like, how can you really like determine what somebody else's real handwriting? I don't know. It makes sense in my head. It's, it is ruled as like a bunk science now. And other experts say that she didn't write the note. Some say she did. It's just like back and forth all around. On April 30th, 1997, the Ramses were finally interviewed. Formal interviews are conducted with John for two hours and Patsy for six and a half hours. And these new statements replace the initial ones made right after the murder. On May 1st, 1997, John and Patsy talked to the local press. John stumbles over his daughter's name and addresses the rumors of her possibly being sexually molested. Patsy says, quote, I'm appalled that anyone would think that John or I would be involved with such a hideous and heinous crime. But let me assure you, I didn't kill John Bonet. They also say they are willing to cooperate with police and that they think it was at least two people who killed her. Dr. Krugman, a child abuse expert, says he believes that John Bonet was an abused child and doesn't suspect Burke or the fa- family directly, really. He bases this off her injuries. He also says that in most cases of child abuse, like with a parent, it comes from explosions of rage where an adult loses it. So, like, the fact that she was hit in the head and then strangled and possibly sexually abused, like, it's not a normal case of, like, parent-child abuse. On July 14th, 1997, the previously sealed autopsy results are released, and they confirm a deep ligature around the victim's neck and another around the right wrist, evidence that she was bound and strangled. There was also blood and abrasions found in the girl's vaginal area, and it appeared that she was struck on the head violently enough to cause bleeding and an eight and a half inch fracture to her skull. Also important to note, it's it's said that there were no signs of forced entry in the house. It was also lightly snowing throughout this time period and no footprints were found either. But I also read somewhere that they had left their back door open. What? Yeah, they had left like a couple, like a back door and a window or something. Like things for were Santa? open. Maybe for Santa. No. no, that's fucked up. That's like bizarre. In the next year, January 15th, 1998, the Ramses at this point refused to do a second interview with authorities. At this point in time, they are pissed. Everyone is speculating that the parents have something to do with it. Everyone's pointing the fingers at them. Even police are like considering them as suspects and they're just like pissed about it so they refuse to do a second interview and they also request to review evidence before giving more interviews to the police and their request was rejected so on march 12 1998 investigators formally call for a grand jury investigation since 15 months have already passed since the murder on june 10th 1998 john benet's older brother burke who was nine at the time of the murder is questioned for the first time He's 11 at this point, and the interview lasts for two hours. And all this time, can I just say, Fleet White is writing letters about how unhappy he is with the investigation and that all these people should be fired who are working on it. And it's like, dude, what? Like, you're just a family friend. Why are you so involved? And now we come back to the 911 call. So on August 20th, 1998, it came out that Burke was actually heard on the 911 call. 
Originally, the Ramses had said Burke was sleeping uh, the morning his sister was discovered missing and didn't wake up until police arrived. However, in the 911 tape that has now been enhanced, Burke's voice is reportedly heard in the background. And as we know, it has since come out that we can probably maybe hear Patsy saying, quote, what did you do? I, however, have listened to this. And there's a part of me that thinks she may be saying, what did we do? But that's just me. I also read that somewhere. Cue audio. The grand jury finally begins their investigation on September 16th, 1998. And the grand jury starts hearing the case and learns about forensic evidence like DNA, hair, and fibers from the scene. They also actually tour the family's home in Boulder nine days later. Also revealed is that a flashlight was believed to be the weapon used to strike John Benet on the head. All this time, investigators are still collecting more and more DNA samples from more and more family members, as there was unknown DNA found in JonBenet's underwear and her fingernails. So we have DNA. It's there. Finally, on May 19, 1999, months later, now 12 years old Burke is secretly questioned by the grand jury, and he's officially declared a witness only, not a suspect. Denver police also report that police do not nor have ever considered Burke to be a suspect at this point. After almost a year of the grand jury meetings, the district attorney states on October 13, 1999, that there isn't sufficient evidence to charge anyone in the murder and no one is indicted. So the, the Ramsey family is like off the hook completely. But that doesn't mean they aren't still under suspicion because, I mean, even today, they're still under suspicion. At this time, though, they aren't in Colorado anymore. <clears throat> and there are still people in the area working to catch the killers. And it's like, what are you two doing? Like, go out and help. Also, yeah. they are accused in the public widely of um, hiding behind lawyers and PR firms. But also, at the same time, can you really blame them? They're like... You know, their daughter was brutally murdered. They were being accused publicly of doing it. Like, you know, you can kind of see where they're coming from, but also I can see widely 
why it looks sketchy as hell. They did end up also taking a lie detector test on May 24th, 2000, which they passed. However, the test wasn't run by the FBI, so it wasn't acceptable to investigators. And the DNA that was found, none of it belonged to family members. So they were formally exonerated in 2008. Yeah, I mean, they got out pretty lucky, right? Like, there was a vote to... They wanted to press charges on them, right? Mm -hmm. To indict them, yeah. Yeah, but there wasn't enough evidence. Yeah, yeah, theories. Who could have done it? Your brain wheels turning on this one? No, I mean, I think most likely... It was probably a random intruder. From what I'm reading now about, from what I'm now reading about, like, the case, like, it makes sense. I mean, there's a hundred, like, there were a hundred break-ins in their neighborhood over the preceding months, and there were 38 registered sex offenders that lived in the area. Yeah. It's also not, like, unlikely that it was stuff open. Yeah, there was stuff left open. And, like, yeah, the ransom note was written on Patsy's legal pad, her own legal pad in the house. But, like, it's really possible this guy, this killer, was, if it was a random intruder, very unexperienced. Like, didn't really know what he was doing, was stumbling around the house trying to find something to, like, make it look like. Like, ransom notes are faked all the time by killers. Israel Keys, for example. The likelihood, the most likely scenario is, like, this guy was inexperienced. And, like, you know, John Binet wrote, woke up or something in the middle of this, and, like, he, they spazzed and killed her. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's also a very likely chance this was not intended to be a murder. It was intended to be a robbery that went south. You know, like, yeah. there's so much we don't know. And, like, there writing is. a ransom note and leaving her in the basement, like, to me indicates that something, like, fucked up happened during a robbery, mm-hmm. and he tried to cover his tracks. Yeah. Or she, you know, we don't know. We don't know. I it's also just remember, like not enough. It's not enough. I mean, you don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. I also remember that creepy dude, John Mark Carr. Yeah, we're going to talk about okay. him. I remember. I remember when that was a big deal. I remember when that was a big mm-hmm. story in the U.S. So we just covered the facts leading up to like why the Ramses weren't arrested, what happened. And the case as of now has not been reopened. And on June 24th, 2006, Patsy Ramsey passed away at the age of 49 from ovarian cancer. So if she knows anything, she took it right to the grave. Okay, so let's talk about what we're really here for. Who could have done it? So we're going to go through all the people that could have played a part. We'll start off with John and Patsy. So what makes them suspicious, for one, is the ransom note. They're stationary, possibly Patsy's handwriting, and the specific amount of money requested that matched John's Christmas bonus exactly. Also, the contaminated evidence, like why did John lift up his daughter's body and carry her elsewhere when investigators were already in the home? Like, he just called him downstairs. He also covered her with a blanket and ripped the tape off her mouth. And it's also bizarre that she was found in their basement and nobody heard anything. And, you know, John and Patsy did eventually stop cooperating with police and, yes, hide behind lawyers. They got very hostile. And there's also a theory that Patsy Ramsey accidentally killed John Bonet in a fit of rage after she wet the bed. Which. It's a bizarre. I don't know. Apparently, John Bonet Ramsey was a frequent bedwetter. Yeah, but like enough to beat the shit out of her and kill her. 
No. Like, yeah. I mean, that makes, you Well, know. some people are like, Patsy Ramsey was on diet pills that made her crazy, but there's really no sufficient the evidence proof? of this. But what I was going to say about the bedwetting thing is that's the number one sign of child abuse when a child frequently wets the bed. So this will kind of make John a suspect. There are people out there who believe that John was sexually abusing his daughter, John Bonet. And maybe this time he accidentally killed her. I don't know how much I believe that. Because, like, there's a part of me that does believe she was getting sexually abused. But I'm not entirely sure it was by John Ramsey. But also, I don't know. Could have been by the weird dude who was sending letters all the time. Freaking Fleet White, I yeah, know. Yeah, right. Like, the, you know, and it also <laughs> could be, again, a huge, like, clusterfuck of weird things. Like, she could have been being abused by somebody that's wholly unrelated to this yeah. murder, right? Some, like, pageant creep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, and so it just, like, this It's just a confounding case because it's random, but, like, because elements of it are familiar with cases that look premeditated and look, um, you know, like the end of abuse cycles. Like, you don't know. Like, I, I, this one is so muddy that, like, I truly do feel like there's a million plausible and also logical explanations for it. But to me, I keep going back to, like, it's probably... In this scenario, this is probably an Occam's razor. Yeah, like yeah, like you said, you it's said probably that a, a random episode, intruder, yeah. and she probably and actually like because it's so confounding that there would have also been like abuse, you know, mm-hmm. like perhaps like the simplest solution there is that that was also present anyway prior to this. Yeah. Also weird is Patsy was wearing the party clothes she'd worn to the party. The night before, like when police arrived the next morning. So it either indicated she was up all night or, well, actually, she claims she just threw on her previous outfit from the night before. The ligature that was found tied around John Bonet's neck was tightened by homemade Garrett, determined to have been fashioned out of a paintbrush taken from Patsy's paint kit that lay nearby, which I don't think necessarily means it was Patsy. I think the killer maybe saw it laying by and, like, just used it. That's me, though. All right. Now we're getting into Burke, and this is my hot take. I don't think Burke did this. I really don't. And, like... People, it's just become such a popular theory that people just love to say now, like, it was the brother, Burke Ramsey did it. Look, blah, dude, blah, it's blah. like hard Based for a what? kid to, like, murder someone with, like, an adult's tact, you know? Like, yeah. He was nine. To, like, beat and strangle and someone, like, you know, three years younger than you and you're that age and then have the forethought to duct tape their mouth and have the forethought to write a note, like, that's legible well, they, as a fucking nine-year-old. Like, well, they think the parents covered it up. Like, John and Pat's new. But it's weird because, like, people's theories are, like, oh, he hit her over the head and the Ramseys tried to cover it up. But she was hit in the head before she was strangled. So what? They're, like, no, we got to really make sure she's dead unless they were trying to make it look like it, it just takes some kind of really sick people to do that. Yeah, I mean, they would daughter. be like, they would have to be like in my head. I feel like if that were the case, they would have taken her to the hospital instead of uh, tying her up, writing a ransom note. Like, it's just anyway. Um, so people think Burke um, is a suspect. 
Because as we said, leading up to the grand jury and after his interview, Burke was never considered a suspect. And it wasn't until 2016 when a two-part CBS docuseries aired that Burke became a suspect for the public. The documentary claims that Burke had accidentally killed his sister in a fit of rage. And why was he mad, you may ask? Well, it's speculated that it was either toys, like they were fighting over toys, or the fact that John Bonet was eating his food. And we're going I didn't leave this out, don't worry. John Bonet's autopsy also revealed that she had pineapple in her stomach, undigested pineapple, so it was eaten like shortly before her death. And Patsy and John claimed they didn't feed her pineapple, but police found a bowl of fruit in the kitchen with Burke's fingerprints on it. To me, still not enough. No. The toy theory comes from one of her injuries looking as if she got hit with a toy train track. This theory includes Patsy and John as accomplices to Burke's crime, so they may have faked the kidnapping scenario and wrote the letter to throw off police. It's also reported that Burke had a number of psychiatric issues and even smeared feces in her room, according to a maid. Also, in the 911 call, we heard Patsy when she thought she hung up the phone say, What do we do? Then we heard Burke's voice in the background. When all along, people are saying that Burke was asleep. And it's kind of unmistakable that it is Burke in the background. So that part, I will give it to you, kind of weird. But also... I feel like it might be possible. So they say that Burke was asleep until police arrived. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was until Patsy called police. Like, do we, we don't really know when and when he didn't wake up. Like, they were frazzled. Who knows? Anyway. So, like I said, personally, I don't think Burke did it. Um, for one, the DNA doesn't match. The fact that she was hit and strangled. The fact um, that he's nine years old. And the psychiatric issues just honestly piss me off real bad. Like for people to be like, oh, he had all he like had all these problems. He apparently he hit her with like a golf club once and she had to get like stitches in her face. But like my brother dropped a dang tetherball pole on my head. (laughs) It was an accident, though. But like, I just think like these things kind of happen sometimes. Not and that doesn't mean you're necessarily violent. You're just like a freaking kid. Yeah. I mean, stuff happens. Yeah. I don't know. I just think saying that he had a number of psychiatric issues and then immediately being like, he must be the killer is kind of fucked up. Just saying. Yep. I mean, he lost. Yeah. He lost his kid sister. Yeah. And also, um, he did an interview with Dr. Phil and people were saying he was acting like really weird and squirrely and just like he seemed creepy. And it's like uh, it's determined he has psychiatric issues. So why why are you all like such big mental health advocates and then like right. totally like shaming this guy based on what an undigested pineapple when there's so much other important evidence to like look at? Sorry, I get so angry. Understandably. It's a really wild I didn't case. Mean to, I didn't mean to yell at you guys. If you can come to me with like a solid Burke did it, some solid Burke did it evidence, then I'm like, I'm all ears. But like you, Harrison, I also believe it over Burke. Like, I believe it was an intruder over Burke. Mm-hmm. I think the theory is just popular at this just point. Make sense. People hear it and run with it without do, like digging deeper. 
Because the more research you do, the more you realize it just doesn't really add up. Also a suspect, the town drifter. So Gary Oliva was a 32-year-old known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado, when John Bonet was found dead and what seems to be sexually assaulted. He had been living in the area on and off when police allegedly found a magazine cut out of John Bonet in his backpack after he was apprehended on drug charges in 2000. He was soon released, but the suspicions were still there, even though Boulder PD didn't cite him as a credible suspect. But soon, apparently, one of Gary's high school friends, Michael, came forward um, saying that not long after the murder, Gary called him and confessed to have hurt a little girl. He also said that how the Nazis used to fashion the garret that strangled John Bonet were similar to those used in an incident where Gary attempted to choke his brother with a telephone cord. Gary was also rumored to have possible connections to a theory that links marks found on John Bonet's body to an encounter with a stun gun, and Gary had one on him at the time of his arrest. But he was cleared by DNA testing. Okay, next theory is the school teacher. You guys may remember the school teacher is John Mark Carr, but now she goes by Alex Reich. So that's what I'm going to be referring to her as. So Alex confessed out of the blue to the 1996 strangulation of John Bonet in graphic sexual detail. Reich was arrested in Thailand, where she'd been living after facing child pornography char- charges in the U.S. The now 51-year-old initially brought herself into the mess by reaching out to a University of Colorado Boulder professor named Michael Tracy over emails in regards to a documentary Tracy was making on the case. One of those emails expressed her sexual fascination with John Bonet, and Tracy reported to Reich, and Tracy reported Reich to the police, and she was arrested. Reich's confession involved a series of diary entries allegedly written from the scene of the crime. In one, Reich recalls strangling John Bonet in a love game gone wrong. She was soon dismissed as a suspect altogether and written off as a pedophile who was after notoriety and fame. They have no proof she was even in Boulder at the time of the murder either. False confessions happen all the time and they're so weird to me. Yeah. Like you really want fame that bad? That's not good fame. (laughs) That is not good fame. That is not good fame at all. So now we have the housekeeper. So Linda Hoffman Pugh worked for the family as a housekeeper and her husband Mervyn was their handyman. So they had a key to the home. And during the police interview, she was heavily voicing her suspicions that Patsy accidentally killed John Bonet. That said, Patsy told investigators that Hoffman Pugh was struggling for money and had asked for a loan of several thousand dollars, which Ramsey had declined. The theory is that Linda led John Bonet down into the basement to trick her employees into leaving money for her ransom. It's possible she could have seen John Bonet, uh, John Ramsey's pay sub, and that's how she came up with the amount. And then maybe, you know, something went wrong, ended up killing her. But this evidence is purely circumstantial. Also, no forensic evidence once again. And then we have the town Santa, and this is the last one I got. So Bill McReynolds, who is dead now, um, was a friend of the Ramseys who dressed up as Santa Claus the week before John Bonet's murder to entertain the neighborhood kids at one of Patsy's Christmas gatherings. And McReynolds was rumored to have paid a little too much attention to John Bonet, going as far as to arrange a secret visit from Santa Claus on Christmas. Um, supposedly, he had chosen John Bonet to be his special friend. Ugh. Going as far to bring a vial of glitter gifted to him by the six-year-old into his heart surgery. And he also asked his wife to mix this glitter in with his ashes when he was to die. Which is just weird. Um, 
This theory failed to amount to anything as well. So once again, no forensic evidence linked any of these suspects to this crime. And that's the information I have. So Harrison. Yes. Still heavy on the intruder. Still 100% heavy on the intruder. Still 100% heavy on intruder and abuse happening to create a perfect storm of, of awful. Of shit. Yeah. An absolutely awful storm. I agree with you. I think I... I honestly wouldn't... Uh, well, at this point, wouldn't be surprised if it was anybody. I wouldn't be surprised if it was John and Patsy either. Yep. In all honesty. Um, but I just feel like everyone's so... Fo- like, I just don't want to put too much focus on the family when there is a very strong possibility that it wasn't anyone involved in the family. And that's all anybody can look at. I know it's a lot of, like, weird, messed up evidence... I don't know. I don't I know. I just think this is a really confusing case. I mean, this is an, all, an unsolved mystery in its truest form. Like, mm-hmm. we will never know the answer to this. No. Like, anybody who confesses is sus. Mm-hmm. Like, truly, because it's now this big of a case, you'll never be able to get a fair jury no. to do this. I mean, it's, it's like going... To, what's really chilling about it is that it's going to remain cold forever. Like, yeah. We'll never get an answer to this unless one of the the Ramsey parents did do it and they confess on their on their deathbed, you know. No, Patsy's already out. But I usually in a cold case, I kind of have a feeling or you kind of know who did it. And in this one, not a dang clue. I have to go random. I like I don't know when people Ask me, who do you think killed JonBenet Ramsey? I'm literally like, I don't know. Yeah. That's like, I'm not going to implicate nine-year-old Burke Ramsey because he had a little behavioral issue and like... Because he, yeah, made a mistake with a golf club, it seems. It seems, I, I don't know if it was a mistake, but even so... But even so, that's not enough to, to accuse a child of a brutal murder, like... Right. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. And if like, you ask just me. because his fingerprints are found on a bowl of pineapple, and John Bonet was eating a bowl of uh, was eating pineapple, like what? Why can't we just believe that they were sharing it fine, and then they went to bed, and something happened? Why is everyone like right? Perhaps Burke through the door do or the window that was open. Perhaps. Yeah. Anyway, I I mean, we could talk about this forever. End of the day, I don't know. Open to all possibilities. Um, that being said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. So I hope you're having a good holiday season. Yeah. Um, stay tuned for next week. I think I'm going to do a conspiracy, perhaps. So we don't stop during the holidays. We keep going and we do it big. We gotta, <clears throat> people need something to listen to while they're avoiding their families. You know? Yeah, that's very true. You can... Message me on Twitter or Instagram at Bubbleine Queen or at Spooky Show Pod. You can email the show if you want, spookyshowpod at gmail.com. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, please. Uh, and tell me your thoughts. What do you think? What did you think of this episode? I know I get heated. I'm sorry. I have strong opinions. I fight with people on TikTok about this. <laughs> Harrison, you want to do your pluggies? 
Sure, you can follow me at double H, double A, double R, double I, double S, double O, double N on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to my other podcasts, Super Mind Exploder, which is available anywhere um, that you get your podcasts, and you can listen to that, or you can find that on social media, on Twitter, at SMEpod, or on Instagram, at Super Mind Exploder, and uh, that shows like a weekly cultural political roundup, and uh, you know me and my friends goofing about what's been going on in the world. Um, and then good to see you, which is a show where we talk to creative people about, uh, what it is like to be a human being on planet earth. And you can uh, follow that show at good to see you pod or listen to it anywhere you get your podcast by searching. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Kate. Thank you for being, I, I got some good feedback about you being on the show. So I'm really glad that you're, you're here again. Well, I'm better than just pushing knobs on the mixer. I know you are. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Bye.